Hey everyone, this is Flippin' Finance, and I'm Sam Mishor, and I'm joined by my co-host Fabian. Hello, hello. Today is November 1st, 2023, and today we're just doing a general update on the world. Before that, kick the disclosure music. As always, none of this is investment advice. It does not constitute an offer to buy or sell securities, nor do any of my opinions reflect those of my employer, Bolero Financial Advisors, or any of its affiliates. This is for educational purposes only. And things change, so we have no duty to go back and revise any of this information. Was that fast enough for you, Fabian? Whew. That was pretty fast, yes. Okay. You must have, did you have a lot of coffee this morning? I'm on my second cup. So, okay. All right. Yeah. That, I'm that usually like it. a cup and a half. I'm fired up today. I'm fired up because... <laughs> A, I get to talk to you, and I don't know how much longer we'll be able to like hang out anymore because you have a new life update. I do have a new life update. Uh, we welcomed our second baby boy into Named our Samuel. lives. Yeah, Samuel the third. Um, mm-hmm. The third is just a middle name. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, he came last Monday. Uh, week so early, the, right? The twenty third, a week early. Yep. Uh, caught us totally off guard. It was a whirlwind. Um, you know, for those of you that that know me personally, I can tell you that story in person. But uh, it, it was it was crazy. Um, but we're so happy that he's here. He's healthy. Everybody's kind of back home and doing all right now. It's just Perfect. a matter of like catching back up with work and the world and and realizing what's going on. It's probably a good place to start because you probably have no idea what's happened the last two weeks. No. And, and anything that I have been watching or reading just immediately leaves my brain because everything's kind of just a blur. So what, what is happening? What's happening in the economy? What's happening with the markets? I mean, geez, the world right now seems like it's on fire. Um, sure. So talk to me. We can, we can start. We can make it easier. We can start with the market. Then we can do the economy. Then we can do the world on fire. Okay, perfect. I like this plan. <laughs> so the the market, and whenever we say the market, we're talking about S and P five hundred, which is the America's five hundred largest companies in how many stocks, Fabian? Five hundred one, five hundred three. Close five, enough. Yeah, I, I was Close thinking jeans. Sorry, you guys. <laughs> for some reason, on my mind, my bad. I, I knew it was five hundred three. <laughs> so the market from performance standpoint has kind of gone sideways for almost two years. So our last all time high was January 2022, a lifetime ago, if you're a new young parent. Um, And in late July, we came close to breaking a new all-time high, right about 5% from from that. And then since that July, we're just down 10%. So from the all-time highs, we're down about, call it 10 or 13%. Um, But over since the July peak, we've just kind of gone down uh, since then. So there's kind of two factors is, what was the market doing well? Or why was the market doing well during that time? And it's something, so we get the S&P 500, 500 largest companies. And there's also the S&P 7. So those are the seven largest companies. So that's Apple, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, NVIDIA, Amazon, and Tesla. If you can say that seven times fast. So those companies were driving the market up. So they were up about 60% year to date. So those big companies, it's not abnormal to really drive the market. And then since July some of that performance has kind of just fallen off. Um, so big market, big companies drive a lot of the market performance. 
and they can also drive it down too uh, from there. So real, real quick question. When you have those ups and downs, right? We had our peak in January, you said of 2022. Is that mm-hmm. what the last historical high was? Then it went down mm-hmm. about 13-ish percent. Then we were back, you know, pretty close in July and now we're down 10%. Um, is there like an easy mathematical equation using simple numbers like $100 to kind of tell you where you'd end up from where you were at that high to where you are now? Because when you when you tell me that, I'm just thinking about like, okay, where, how am I doing financially based on what I have invested, sure. right? Sure, yeah. Does so that question make it, sense? Yeah, so if, if you had $1,000 in January of 22, at the end of 2022, you would have had math is hard, you would have had $800. So those big mega cap companies, I was just talking about the tech companies, they had a really bad 22 um, for a variety of different reasons. It kind of pulled down the index, the stock market didn't do do well. So you lost 20% or $200. And then from call it the low point in October of 2022 to the peak in July, you're almost even. So you're about $950. So you're down about 5%. And then it started rolling over a bit. So now you're now you're back to about nine hundred dollars of your original thousand. Now that doesn't include dividends uh, in there. So if you're invested in S and P five hundred, you get about two percent dividend uh, on there. So you're you're probably a little bit above nine hundred. Yeah. But from a market appreciation standpoint, you're still down about ten percent. And, and using these lowish numbers doesn't sound. It, it makes it a little more uh, palatable. But I imagine mm. when you're talking like hundreds of thousands of dollars, it hurts a little bit more because that swing is larger. I mean, yeah, proportionally, well, it's the same mathematically, but just the yes. number is much larger. Well, I mean, back in March of 2022, or excuse me, 2020, I got a, a big new client. I was really excited. And we put a large amount of money into the market in like February 1st of 2020. So... <laughs> I mean, I had to call the client and tell him, hey, I've lost you a large amount of money, but here's what we are proactively doing around this. You know, you're down 20%, 20% on, you know, throw out a number, 2 million, 5 million. <laughs> yeah. So like what's, it's not, it's not funny, but like I try to keep it, talk about percentages because when you start talking about the the numbers there, they are pretty large. Yeah. And because you want to use percentages because it takes the emotions out of it. Because as soon as you start saying like, hey, we're down $250,000, you know, the Sahara mine comes in and yeah. like fight or flight. And you're like, oh my God, I need to stop this pain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so is that is that person doing okay now? Yeah, they're great. Yeah, they took our advice. They stayed invested. We rotated out. They made it all back. Um, they were a great client. So, and they were kind of understanding you know, a little frustrated more about like the situation, but um, yeah. they weren't mad at me. So yeah, that's all you can hope for. Exactly. So part of the reason why we're starting to get that sell off is as you probably know, or maybe you don't know, cause you're not looking for a house, the impact of rising rates. So you, you can take a step back and be like, why is the market selling off? No one truly knows why it's just kind of a, a narrative. You can kind of tell a story about it. It's truly just more people are selling than buying. There's more selling pressure. But if, you, if you're to speculate, the Fed controls short-term rates. We've talked about this a lot. They do not control long-term rates, but they can kind of influence those by saying, 
hey, we want to keep rates higher for longer. We think inflation is still a problem. It can still come back. We are committed to higher rates that can kind of move longer term rates up through that. And you're starting to see that really trickulate through. So long term rates hit about 4% earlier in the year and had stayed kind of in that trading range uh, for a while, just hovering around that. But over the last call it, three or four months, rates have moved a lot higher. So they've gone from four to five. So that's where you saw mortgages being affordable around the sixes. Now mm. we're in the eights for those mortgages. And I've kind of talked a little bit about the flywheel before. Higher rates means higher uh, risk of recession, which means you get like a little bit of stock market uh, influence in there. So it kind of creates this little flywheel uh, in there of market reaction. So... But there's that, good news. That, okay, okay, good. I was waiting for, for <laughs> some good news. The good news is, have you ever heard of the Santa Claus rally? That I mean, no. Okay. <laughs> the Santa right, Claus so, rally. <laughs> yeah. It's the Anything Santa Claus with rally. a rally right now doesn't sound positive. So I'm, I'm curious right. to see where you're going to go. Oh. With Rallies, <laughs> oh, protests, nothing. None, none of uh, that sounds good. Well, we'll throw some Santa Claus has his own rally. So through like roughly August to October is historically not the best time for stocks for could be selection bias, could be a lot of different things. But the last part of Q4, which we're in now is happily called the Santa Claus rally because traditionally you get really strong performance in the fourth quarter. Um, you can make a lot of things up of, of why that happens, but I just look at the performance and it goes up in the fourth quarter around Santa Claus. So for those That's that participate, of course. I, well, everyone can participate in the Santa Claus stock market in, in, in Santa Claus. <laughs> uh, so isn't this kind of like the backstory for Black Friday too? Black Fridays. Oh. Um, because you go from being in the red to in the black when you do all these sales. And for the retail. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of the same. It's It, it doesn't really. There Similar isn't like principle? A, yeah. Right, well, there's right. not a big like economic principle behind it. Whereas like, you know, retailers are finally in the black on Black Monday or mm -hmm. Friday. Um, there isn't like a huge economic rationale behind it. It's not like earnings are better than Q4 or something like that. Yeah, um, It's just one of those quirks in the way that um, the market works. And since we talked about rates earlier and you're trying to eventually move down to your bougie lifestyle in South Carolina on the lake, right? That's right. Yes. Okay. So unless you guys swap houses um, or you could snowbird. Mortgage rates will be impactful for you going forward. Do you know what a mortgage rate is right now? Well, you mentioned 8%. Okay. <laughs> so I'm going to guess 10. Oh, no, no. So it's no. 8. It's 8. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, that's been the bad thing is mortgage rates were hovering around 6 to 7. That was, that was you know, somewhat affordable. It was impacting uh, home affordability. But now we're at 8 with those longer-term rates going up. The big issue is there's just not a lot of supply. So like since 2008, we haven't really built single family homes for a long time. So the underbuilding plus like everyone rebounding, rebuilding their balance sheet since 2008 kind of compressed supply. And we never really had a catalyst for demand. Demand was kind of about the same. COVID was like the big thing to spring the supply and demand issue in housing. And that's why we got 2021, 22, home prices just went bananas. And if you're in the newsletter, you can see how much we've underbuilt versus other countries. We're like the worst for single family <laughs> home building uh, relative to our population growth. Uh, so not good. But 
the the weird thing with how rates work is the median home prices kind of settle down a little bit. We're not going gangbusters anymore, like twenty two. I'm not having to write you a love letter for your right. you know your three bedroom, <laughs> which house was actually a thing that was ridiculous. Well, yeah, didn't Will across your street? They wrote a letter, right? Yep. Yeah. You know, just like my sweet baby needs a house to live, please. It's a good school yeah. district. We, um, love, we love your neighbors. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's <laughs> great. Chris, so cute. Um, so the median home price hasn't really moved. It's hovering right around 390 right now. But with rates going up, the amount you need to qualify for the median home has gone up. So you've in August of 2022, you needed $99,000 of income to qualify for the median home. And without the median home going up and just rates increasing, that is now $115,000 to qualify for the median home. So it's gone up 15% for you to qualify for the same home. Wow. Yeah. So that is now like the issue in the home market is you're having what's called like lock-in effect. Like me and you, you know, are just lucky with our low uh, mortgage rates that we're not paying off, right? Early. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. 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 We're not, we're not, we're not paying it. So we have lock-in effect. So you don't want to move down to South Carolina. I don't want to move to Denver and sell my home because we've got this lock-in effect in our homes. We've got this sweet mortgage rate. It's really low. Yeah, taxes are a little bit higher, but effectively our interest rate is like locking us in from moving. So you're just seeing that the listings and the homes available are at historic lows, but the affordability is at historic lows too. So that's why I continue to think like home prices will just plateau here. They're not really going to move uh, from there. I don't know if you have any thoughts with my ramble. Uh, I mean, I would just be paying cash, right? Like Straight cash, homie? Yeah. Why, that, that would be the smart thing to do. Maybe not the smart thing to do. Well, so like I, 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 real estate is one of those interesting asset classes that allows you to leverage. And, you know, not all leverage is bad, even like in some higher interest rates. So I'm it would just seem bad based on what we were talking about. Like yeah, that wouldn't just, seem like a smart leverage. You would just put more down because you could keep um, liquidity. You can have flexibility. So instead of doing like an 80% loan to value mortgage, which is like the very traditional uh, mortgage route, maybe you just put more down. So maybe let's play this game, right? Let's say, <laughs> I'm sorry, we're going down this tangent, but let's say we find this house in on the lake in South Carolina. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's got perfect big backyard. I can build my shred shed in the back, sure. right? Like exactly how we want it, pool in the ground, what have you. We mm -hmm. sell our house and we own it, right? Mm -hmm. In this scenario, we own it. So we've got, you know, $500,000 to play with. Let's say sure. we put that towards the house. Would you like in this scenario that you're talking about, would you putting more down, like put all of that down towards the house? I, I, I think still a little bit of leverage is good with, with real estate. So some people want their home like completely paid off. And I'm just like, why? Like you could put, you can put into some other compounding assets and diversify a little bit instead of having your entire balance sheet just on a home. Maybe mm -hmm. you're paying a little extra for that, but there are uh, like benefits to that. Yeah. So, hmm. Yeah, it's just it's one of the unique asset classes that allows you to it. There's mortgage deductibility. You can always refi later. That's my big thing. So, but 
speaking you, you mentioned rallies earlier too um <laughs> unintentionally <laughs> yeah unintentionally so not always like the uh the funnest topic to talk about but geopolitics is definitely back into uh the fold and if you were to guess fabian i have in my newsletter roughly 40 geopolitical events that are have affected the market what do you think the one month average is when a geopolitical event happens and what do you think the 12 month average for the market is 12 months later did i phrase that correctly possibly but i don't know what type of number you're looking for yeah so like if you were to guess if i was like okay war broke out in x area like, yep. i'll just go through a couple of these let's do uh 9 let's do eu debt crisis let's do russian intervention into syria and North Korean nuclear test on a one month later for the market. What do you think the average impact is based on percentage points going down? Mm -hmm. I'd say 12%. Okay. It's zero. Oh, wow. (laughs) Exactly. And then 12 months later, what do you think the market impact is on a percentage basis? I'm doubling down 12%. (laughs) It's up 10. Oh, wow. Yes. So when you step back, you know, I try, I don't, I want to get into the politics and it, the, any loss of life is, is horrible, but we're economists here and we're boring. And we're going to think about uh, the market from a market standpoint, everything's fine. Now you do, when the event initially happens, you do get a little market solve because of the panic. So the max decline average in percentage terms is roughly around 7%. But one month later, 12 months later, the market is recovering. It's kind of what happened in the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine. There's a, a lot of panic, a lot of things moving around in the oil market. It was generally fine. Unless you owned Russian stocks. Right. Yeah. This, I mean, I think I've mentioned this before. There's a, um, there's a book. I didn't read it, of course. Uh, <laughs> maybe I read uh, it. The, may, maybe. Um, I believe it it was called the shock doctrine and it it kind of talks about people taking advantage of unopportune looking times, right? So like times of war, national, national, natural disasters, if I can speak correctly, uh, and then profiting in in some way or another off of that. And it it might be the wrong title of the book, but it looks like you're, no, it's right. right Yeah. Yeah. There's the shock doctrine. It's, uh, the rise of disaster capitalism. Yeah. Uh, in the book, Klein argues that neoliberal free market policies have risen to prominence in some developed countries because of deliberate strategy of shock therapy. Yeah. Okay. It's seven hundred pages. I feel like they needed an editor. That sounds right, up, dude. That sounds right up your alley. I know. Oh, I did. I, I had a, nestled up to a seven hundred pager. Oh, just rock me to sleep. I am reading Grant's personal memoirs, which is eight hundred pages. Riveting. Um, it is riveting. You know, American hero. I did just read a great book on the Comanches and my one friend was like, oh, I'll read that. How long is it? And I was like, oh, you know, 500. And they're like, no. <laughs> no <laughs> it's thanks. really good though. Did you really watch the, the Flower Moon movie yet? Not yet. We, okay. We're conflicted because uh, a three over a three-hour movie, you're going to have to pee. Mm, of course. You know, some, like Austin, she can't, she can't do that. <laughs> so like... We're like, when well, this has come out to like our home so we can like take a stretching break or something. Right. Yeah. But have you? 
You guys don't no. watch movies. No. Have you watched the Barbie movie yet? You're on like no. leave or whatever. We we will. We we will watch it's it. It's good. Austin thought it was very uh uh I thought it was very dark comedy and she didn't like how <laughs> real it was. Oh wow. Two different perspectives <laughs> there. Interesting. I was like, this is great. And she's like, this is a nightmare. <laughs> you know, it's, you know, dreams are nightmares. So it depends. I'm rambling now. What other uh, questions yeah, we got do you way, have? Well, we got way <laughs> off topic there. Did you want to finish your thought there just on the, the market suggesting 0% at the one month mark and then yes. going up 10% at 12? Yeah. So like when you look at on an intra decline every year on average, the market's going to go down 14% on average every year. That's what the stock market if does. if nothing happens like... Yeah, exactly. Or with that, everything happening rather. Both. So like yeah. on average though, it's going to go down 14%. So if geopolitical events are only impacting the market kind of 7% and on the long term we're up 10%, 10 months to 12 months later, the takeaway is like these are not really impacting your money or portfolio. Rates, economic recessions and earnings are going to have a bigger impact uh, on things. So if you're like me and you're somewhat of a passive investor, I'm not doing anything in my portfolio to take advantage of this. We're not changing anything. You're not going to cash. You're not freaking out. You're staying invested. But it's easier said than done because we're talking about those portfolios. You get those large drops. Right. You're like, you know, World War III starting. We should be doing something in our portfolio. It's sometimes harder to do nothing, which is what you should do most of the time. Yeah, just don't pay attention, right? But that's a luxury. Yeah, just have a kid. First world problems. Um, so you asked me if I had any questions and I kind of do, and it's, okay. it's more of a thought. We're moving to Fabian's burning questions. Uh, and I wish I, I would have taken it, taken a screenshot, but there was a, an article and I believe it was from the Atlantic that just said that, um, th- the number of people that are millionaires now, like just an overall, uh, like total, you know, total assets is yeah. like up. I forget what what percentage or it's higher than it's ever been, something like that. Oh, that's actually uh, that's actually my next article later uh, in the week because they're probably referencing what's called the Federal Reserve Consumer Survey, Consumer Survey, mm-hmm. um, which I'm sure everyone's you know you've got that of course you know kind of, of course locked in. Um, but yes, and this is a, in that report. I have not read that article. Um, I'm googling for it right now. I'm not seeing it, but that that report is adjusted for inflation. So someone might be just like, oh, home values and everything is, you know, because of inflation. It's not. And it's just, we've had a huge growth of net worth from 2019 to 2022. So sidestepping like the fiscal stimulus and the deficit and everything in that, from a net worth standpoint, Americans are doing a lot better. And it's specifically, it's the ages under 35 actually had the biggest growth in, in net worth. So yes, but send me that yeah. article. Yeah, I, I, if I can find it, I'll send it to you. It was like one of those that was suggested on my iPhone. So ah. it's probably disappeared now. But I, I just, I was reading it in bed. It's like, oh man, this is, that's, that's interesting because just mm-hmm. based on everything that's going on, you know, you wouldn't assume, you wouldn't assume that. Like mm-hmm. when headlines mm-hmm. make you think everything's negative. Well, that's like my bugaboo about news media and financial media is the incentives are aligned for them to kind of scare you and keep reading where you're like, Oh yeah, there's more millionaires. Uh, the GDP just grew 5% last quarter. Things are generally fine. Yes. There's pockets of issues, 
but no one's talking about the good things uh, going on under the surface, which is right. what I'm trying to do with this podcast. So yeah, so like I said, don't know if that was my uh, if that was actually a question or not, but it was more of a, I read this and thought it was interesting and wanted to get your take on it. Okay, but if you're going to be writing about it, great, we get to do a whole episode about it. Woohoo! What other questions do you have? That's it right now, man. My, like I said at the beginning of the show, everything is a blur. Okay. Um, so just trying to get my, you know, just trying to get my footing, adjust to, to life as a father of two. Awesome. Yeah, well, tell Samuel, uh, you know, to <laughs> Sam, Sammy the third. <laughs> uh, actually, one of my friends, um, I made that joke to him. He's like, well, I hate to tell you, we're actually naming him Thomas, which is the name of my brother. It was, I thought it was like a slight, good for Thomas, but Samuel's a good, strong name. So, you know, whatever. it's classic. It'll, I think it'll always yeah. be in like the top 20. Hopefully. Hopefully. All right. Oh, Anything else man. in your mind? Uh, no, but I do, I do see a good, I'm kind of perusing this Atlantic website right now, and this could be an interesting topic and it's why is there financing for everything now? Oh, shoot that to me. Yeah. But I think that's a, because there is, you see that like Klarna or whatever mm -hmm. the thing is where you're financing your protein powder for five easy payments of like, I almost <laughs> did that for our airline tickets to Europe next year for our honeymoon. It, Cause I mean, it's a large it was like $3,000 and like right. the Klarna things right there. And I'm like, well, I could not pay all this right now. Right. It's, it's so. interesting. So yeah, maybe, maybe we can dive into that. Ooh, love it. Because well, you know, you also do hear, sorry to cut you off there, but you also no. do hear that it's like, we're the, we're in the most debt right now than we've ever been. And interest rates are the highest that they've ever been. Right. Oh, this is great. I'm going to pop that bubble <laughs> right now. Yeah. Uh, no, that we can do a whole topic. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That'd be a great one. I need to write that down. Dear Diary, Fabian had a great <laughs> comment today. Fatherhood <laughs> looks good on him. Thank you everyone for listening. Uh, subscribe, share. And if you have questions like the Klarna one that uh, Fabian just brought up, happy to include it in the podcast. And appreciate everyone listening. Bye.